0: Hello, I'm Chuck Akins, your host for Deciphering Digital. In today's episode, we're going to be diving into Mastering the Amazon Marketplace with Luke Tierney, the owner of Eco DTC. Uh, at his agency, uh, Luke and his team they help uh, natural products and other environmentally conscious uh, brands uh, scale their operations, starting with the Amazon Marketplace. So we're first going to delve into some of the intricacies and details of the Amazon marketplace that, uh, you know, will give you tips and tactics uh, from Luke's experience. But what really sets Luke apart is his ability to to not only have a strategic approach inside of the Amazon marketplace, but to use that as a launch pad for your overall omni-channel strategy. So we're going to start with Amazon and, and some things that you can do there for your brand. And then uh, explore how to uh, use that strategy in an omnichannel approach. So uh, let's get started. Here's Luke. We're here today to talk all things Amazon, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I know when it when it comes to Amazon, you uh, you have it for breakfast, basically. I, you know, you you're going to have a different perspective because you are in there all day long, every day, with yourself and your agency. So um, why don't we just kind of start there, like? What's going on with Amazon in late 2023? What are you seeing? I mean, what, what what would you want to even tell someone to to warm us up a little bit about the state of Amazon right now and and how we
1: should be thinking about it as a marketer? There's so many places we could start. I mean, just in terms of more, uh, you know, news of the news of the day, week, quarter. Um, Amazon actually just got uh, sued by the FTC. Um, specifically for anti-competitive practices, for things that they do to sellers on their own platform, uh, for essentially, uh, you know, things that they've done to um, make it make life harder for any other competitors trying to take up their market share in terms of other online marketplaces and and the way they treat people that you know are on their platform. So that might sound like a weird place to to open up, um, but it's going to put a lot of what we talk about in, in context, because, you know, a lot of the troubles that I see brands struggling with when it comes to Amazon are there, there's a lot of technicalities of the platform and there's a lot of things that make it, that make it tough, um, to sell on. And so my hope with, you know, the, the government kind of getting involved, you know, it's always kind of a mixed bag. We'll see what actually is done or not done, but, um, I'm hoping that it, there's some kind of action taken to make uh, Amazon make lives for sellers a little easier. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, that's sort of the, the the big news that's come out recently. Like there's a lot of other things happening too that are, you know, I'll get into technical and advertising and you know, how, how competitive the marketplace has gotten, especially over the last, you know, several years. But um, you know, in, in essence, a lot of, a lot of brands are, that are on Amazon are wondering how they can actually get more out of the platform. Um, and a lot of brands getting onto Amazon are, you know, understandably, uh, maybe even a little apprehensive when it comes to like, well, what, what don't we know? You know, I've heard so much about the opportunity. I've also heard, you know, some, some stories of people who have had less than, um, than a, a great time on it. So, you know, how do I maximize it for my brand? Because it's, it's credit. It's, you know, it's the juggernaut the e-commerce landscape. You know, if you're selling online, then you're, you know, especially in anything CPG related, you're going to have to deal with Amazon. Right. So you said a couple of interesting things in there. Um,
0: could you dive in a little bit more? Like what I heard you say is that Amazon is even more competitive mm-hmm. today than in the past, maybe more so than it's ever been. What does that look and feel like for a brand right now? This, the, you know, how, how competitive it's getting, like, what, what are the, what's a brand up against right now? Whether you're an existing brand or maybe you came on in the last year. I mean, what is, mm-hmm. what does this look and feel like right now? I mean, what, what, what's, what's, it, what's the day-to-day fight like for these brands?
1: Something that's become a, a required part of our onboarding um, for, for anybody that we're working with uh, over the past several years has been, has been going over fee structure and margin. So the, num- the number one complaint that we hear from brands, and this isn't just like new brands coming onto the platform, but we're talking about like multi million dollar brands that are trying to figure out exactly where this is going to fit in their overall digital strategy. There are brands that, um, you know, that we work with that half of the sales, you know, um, from all their channels combined, like half of them are coming from Amazon, okay. right? It is the driver of their business more even, um, you know, we, we work with brands that Amazon is their only online channel and they perform really well. And it supports, you know, the revenue from that, um, supports a lot of other, a lot of other initiatives in the business. We also talk with companies, large and small, who struggle to understand how anybody even makes money on Amazon. Um, there's uh, as one client puts it, you know, his struggle has been to how to, you know, figure out how to actually make a profit on the platform and not make donations to his words, the Jeff Bezos fund. Right. So, you know, the, the place that this starts really is, is what margin you have to play with on the platform, right? If you're on the platform, then you can pull some pretty, you know, pretty detailed payments information and actually see where all this money is going. You can see what your fees are to sell, um, product on a, you know, um, on a per product basis. But even if you're just coming onto the platform, like we, we make brands go through the profitability calculator. We talk about benchmarks in terms of the margin we like to see for, you know, a healthy cushion for running ads, um, you know, uh, making, talking about pricing architecture, you know, how differentiated are you, you know, how differentiated is your product on the platform? Um, And then what, uh, you know, what other channels do you have working for you? Because, you know, at at the end of the day, the big difference between multi-channel and omni-channel, because omni-channel is a buzzword that gets thrown around. So what do we even mean by it? Multi-channel is treating all of your different um, marketing channels as if they are siloed. And Omnichannel is having a consistent voice and a consistent strategy across them. And where this applies to Amazon in particular is that your presence on Amazon, well, first of all, if you've done, if you've constructed everything right, it can help your performance on other channels. It'll legitimize you. And you know this is where, when customers are discovering you in store, they're going onto their phones and they're looking at Amazon for reviews or looking at price before buying you in brick and mortar. So that's really big, but also a presence um, literally anywhere else. If you are successful in retail, if you're successful on your website and Google campaigns on social media, it will all translate to success on Amazon. So it's not something that can be treated as something that's separate from your other channels. It's something that has to be dealt with as a piece of a larger whole. And that's not limited to Amazon, but maybe just because of the position that Amazon has in the marketplace as the number one research engine that customers use for products. It's just something that has to be dealt with cohesively at this point. Well, you said so many things in there I want
0: to unpack. So let's, uh, let's rapid fire through a few of them. First off, you, you mentioned there was a margin that you're looking for. And I know anytime, you, anytime you're asked for a benchmark, it's like, well, it's different for everybody. But what kind of margin are you looking for? When mm-hmm. you when you think about Amazon, because you mentioned you want to be able to have enough margin to feed the ads. What what might be a yeah. range of margins that you would like to see?
1: The first thing I need to mention is that margin is relative to what your price point is. If you're selling a $4 product that has a 50 plus percent margin, it's not going to, you know, that's 50 percent is a great margin. But if your price point is so low that, you know, the cost of running ads is, you know, I've, I've, we've... We've seen situations in which, you know, people are trying to sell $4 soaps in spaces where your average cost per click is like three to $5 that, you know, that that math doesn't work. So with the really important caveat that your, your price point as it relates to margin, you know, is, is going to be really critical here. If we see a well-priced product that is, you know, it's got 40% plus margin after Amazon fees have been removed and after your cogs, after everything, 50 plus percent. That's a really heavy green light for us. Okay. So and then I think the I other you say, 40% green light. 40% and 50% okay. especially. Yeah. is something that we like to see. Okay. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you know, if, if we're talking with a brand and they have less than 20% margin to deal with after all is said and done, and, you know, Amazon, you know, we, we see brands um that'll give anywhere between twenty thirty percent all the way up to like seventy percent depending on you know um, how how the fees shake out. If a brand only has twenty percent left over for profit after all the fees have been taken out and we're before advertising, then like we're we're having a you know a, a really frank conversation about expectations and like what you know if you think about the way that that math plays out, you're asking in order just to break even. You need a five x return, right? On the first sale to break even with that. And hey, you know, if if this is a depending on the strategy, if this is a lower price product, and you're counting on repeat customer rate, or you're planning on you know these customers buying a um, a larger pack size, that's one thing. You know, if you're leaning into uh, you know your LTV, if you are, if you simply have some money to burn and you're trying to defend market share, like there are use cases are use for cases, this, right. but there's a really, really big difference between a brand that is doing that strategically and intentionally and a brand that just launches onto Amazon without really understanding their numbers. And then, you know, eight months down the line is like, wait a minute, why are not we making, you know, we have incredible advertising performance, but we're still losing money. So what happened? That's maybe brands large and small. That's maybe the biggest pitfall that I see people in the space falling into.
0: Okay. So um, sounds like know your numbers and, uh, right. Don't, don't, don't get misled by good ad numbers or cost per click or, you know, cost per sale. <clears throat> I mean, you, you're really kind of encouraging. It sounds like a brand to think about this, like a P and you know, looking at your margin. Um, now. If I, if I think through this and I I'm 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 thinking through a couple brands I know that I've I've talked to you know talked to about Amazon. I find that most brands go into it and they say, all right, let's 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 put my best selling SKUs on there. Let's 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 load up the system, right? The more products I have, the more sales I'll make. Mm-hmm. Um I have a I've always had a hunch that that because that's the intuitive thing to do, it's probably the wrong thing to do. But let's say I've done that. Let's say I've put 25 SKUs up. I'm going to tee a softball here, but it, I think I, I I think I know the answer. But let's talk about it for a second. I have 25 SKUs. Do I think about margin overall? Do I go skew by skew on my margins? How do I how do I think about which products I'm putting into the market, what their margins are? Like you mentioned, packs. that's probably different than a like you know you might even have subscribed and say don't know how all these different things fit into it. But but how how do I actually if I want to learn my numbers and work on margins?
1: How do I go about that? Like, give me a quick one, two, like, give me some steps. First of all, I mean, if you have 25 products that you're already selling on your website or already in retail, um, depending on how large a brand presence you have, like, uh, you know, anybody out there, you know, Luke and Chuck can go out and buy your product and sell it on Amazon if you're not and try to turn a profit. Um, so if, even if just for the sake of defending your catalog, it's good to think about, you don't even have to be running ads, but just being set up and set up well on on the platform from a defense perspective and an opportunity perspective. Now that said, you know one of the and again, it really depends on what your product is, but if we're talking about um, if we're using like food and beverage as an example, or really CPG at large as an example, if we run the numbers and selling like a one pack of what you have is not financially feasible, then one of the easiest things to do to correct this is just to sell a larger pack size there's a couple different ways to approach it, but some of the main levers you're gonna have are, you know, um, increasing from a one pack to a three pack or having a variety pack or, um, you know, some, looking at increasing your price. Like what does it take to make Amazon work for you instead of, you know, you working for Amazon and all this needs to be kept in, you know, this needs to be balanced with the reality of what your competitors are pricing on the platform or what it might take to compete with them. And that's kind of the tension there. Um, and uh, sorry, Chuck, you had some other questions thrown in there. And oh I no, I,
0: so so no, you, you answered a few of them, but uh, you said something right there at the end that I need. I, you know, I want to make Amazon work for me instead of, you know, maybe trying to, you know, make it work for Amazon. Now, in the beginning, you you probably got to do that, right? I, I I always hear about the flywheel, and you got to get some momentum going. You got to get review. I mean, you you, you you know, but assuming that you're in the market, the flywheel's kind of working. You're running ads, um, and you start thinking about making uh, Amazon work for you, but then you mention omni-channel because Amazon, you, you, this ecosystem isn't. So first let's, let's go back to omni-channel for a second. Um, if I'm CPG at, you know, food and beverage, but let's just say CPG. What you're saying is Amazon sits in the middle. And if that's true, things I do on Amazon is going to affect it. Like it's gonna, it, it's, it, it's gotta be consistent omni-channel. So, does that make it more complicated as I'm making decisions on Amazon how do I think about Amazon at the center if I'm gonna make Amazon work for me
1: so a couple of ways that we see this playing out in in real time is um, you know the, the halo effect that other channels will have on your performance on Amazon is really important um, we've I mean we, we've never been like one channel zealots at, at ecod 2 c um, but now more than ever like it's no secret that Customers are discovering you one place and then buying you in another. And if they're, you know, we could talk about numbers um, in terms of what market, you know, Amazon and other marketplaces hold, but I feel like that's fairly well known at this point. Um, you know, they're they're probably buying you here. And so from a user journey standpoint, um that's just something to really keep in mind. Like Amazon's impact on other channels is largely, is largely social proof and having, you know, you're taking advantage of, a, of an opportunity for a customer to really um, discover more about you. So even like, there are a couple of e-commerce marketplaces that I, as a consumer like to buy on over Amazon because they're more eco-friendly, or there's just, there's just something, there's something that this niche marketplace has, is doing for me. I'll still go check on Amazon to see, am I like missing out on a deal? Or I'll see what the reviews are to make sure this product is good because consumers trust Amazon reviews over reviews on basically any other place on, on the internet almost. So that's how to think about how Amazon impacts your other channels. And then the other thing to think about, you know, as you're thinking about your marketing activities on other major online channels, especially like the the tough thing is, is attribution when it comes to, you know, well, how many of these sales are we getting on Amazon because we are because we're running social media campaigns, because we're running campaigns on Google, um, you know, because we had, you know, XPR happen. Attribution is really tough for that until you kill that channel and you see the drop in your sales on Amazon's platform. So if that's, you know, an exercise that a brand wants to do because maybe they're having mixed performance on another channel, that's totally fair and fine. The big advice that I would have is just to make sure you're measuring it and not just on Amazon. This goes for a website too. like. Um, I don't know how many listeners are familiar with marketing efficiency ratio, MER, but it's just the total, your total ad spend versus the total dollars you're earning online, uh, added up across channels. You know, if you kill or turn down an advertising channel and you see a pretty big dip across channels, especially on Amazon, and there's no other sort of culprits, you know, in the mix that are so obvious, like that channel might've been pulling more weight for you than than you imagined. And it was just an attribution challenge to really know that you were getting those sales from that other marketing activity. Does that make sense? No, it does. So let me, let me, let me repeat
0: it back. Uh, so I have, I'm, I'm on the channel, everything's going. Um, and for some reason I might decide to stop Google ads or maybe stop Facebook ads, meta ads, whatever it might be. I, I stop some ads because it does, I just don't like the numbers. And what you're saying is that is that traffic that was coming from, let's say, Google ads and landing on your website may have leaked over to Amazon and bought. Attribution is really hard. You don't you don't know that a a Google search or a, a Facebook post actually led to the Amazon purchase. There's there's no way to know that. But if you turn down or up those channels, you're saying you could see lift or decline. In Amazon, yes, okay, yes, and, and, how, and how would you measure it? Is it is it is it just
1: observation? It's well knowing the dates that first of all of when certain changes were made on those other platforms, and then just it's it's just a it's just a you know a dive into the data. You know if if your daily or if your daily sales took a plunge, um, you know following a you know a turn down of another channel or if your are if your branded search in particular in Amazon just starts to take, and this is, these are things that you can look up with um, lots of different tools, but if you, if you get a massive surge in branded search, and this is something we help brands measure on a month to month basis, like this is one of the more, this is one of the easier things to get at, frankly, um, you know, if you see, if we see a massive surge of brand interest, then we know some off platform promotional activity really, really helps. Like we're doing things on Amazon that, you know, are going to, There's lots of things you can do on Amazon to build a base to get people come back, you know, things like this. But if we all of a sudden just see a massive surge, just knowing how this works, you know, one of the things we're checking out is like, hey, like, what did you do? Because whatever it was, it's really, you know, it's really effective here as a combination of channels. But by the same token, and this is where this is the big miss that I see, it's just not being measured. You know, maybe if another if you don't like the numbers on another channel and you turn it off and you measure the decrease. Um, You know, the change in your MER and the decrease in sales on your website and on Amazon, maybe it was worth it to turn that off and to regroup and reconsider your strategy. But what we see are brands of all different sizes just simply not doing the due diligence and not following through to see if maybe that channel was pulling a little harder for them than they had thought previously.
0: So that it seems like, um, you know, knowing that what what you do is, you know, you 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 run and manage the uh, the marketplace, the Amazon marketplace for brands. They, so how do you, you know, you're you're interacting with uh, CMO or CEO, and then they're they're making these other advertising decisions on their channels. Like, how do you have that conversation? Because there's usually there's going to be a social media agency or person on staff. There's going to be somebody running at you know, ad whatever it might be. Like, how, how do you one. So yeah, we measured it and we know something happened, but how do you, how do you, how do you have that conversation with other,
1: like you, you got to coordinate with other people? Sure. You know, depending on, you know, we, we also run, we also run Google ads. You know, we've been doing Google even longer than we've been doing Amazon, which is, which is saying something, um, you know, we, 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 uh, we run ads on social media like there's a number of ads channels like we're we're marketplaces and and ads channels right so there's there's multiple things that we manage, and so we can we can have that conversation with these other providers or other team members you know that work for the brand and give them feedback on those on those channels so we we speak that language so that that okay. certainly helps but even even in a scenario in which like hey like we're just like our scope of work is just managing Amazon as a channel for for a brand um and they have another solution like. If you know the signals that we see on the marketplace and the story the data tells us is usually fairly clear, and so we're, we simply report that to to the client and ask some questions in terms of like, hey, were there any big changes? Because there's there's lots of things that could be the culprit there. Like we also have seasonality in here. There's, um, you know, did, did the repeat are the repeat customers just on like an interesting cycle in which they all tend to be coming back every couple of months and they all just have the timing just happens to work out that way. Like there's other things that the data could spell out for us too, but it's, it's usually pretty stark if there is a promotional channel that is drumming up an awful lot of brand awareness and leading to sales on Amazon, even if it's not directly attributed, if there's a, if there's a really big surge, a really big drop, then, you know, it's, it's pretty clear that we need to be looking on the channel for answers. So I, so I guess, and
0: as you mentioned, the, uh, the other
1: two players in the, I think
0: I've, I've seen you refer to it as the triopoly of media spend, right? Amazon, Google meta. Um, I mean, it, I guess in an ideal situation, you, you would, you would be managing those other ads so that you could look at MER across the channels to help somebody, even though Amazon, is where the purchase is taken place, uh, but if not, like you said, you can report it up and you can you can do the test. You know, it seems to me that that I you know if I were going to turn up or down a channel, I I would, you know, I probably do one at a time, uh, just so I can really feel the cause and effect, and uh, you know, even even have already maybe looked at seasonality. So just kind of thinking through that a little bit. So, um, so that's good. So so in the omnichannel space, how how do you think about I know, I, you know not necessarily a brand, but how do you think about Amazon as a storefront and then their product catalog you know let's just say they're on shopify and you know running a shopify store um so often I hear about the conflict between own the customer information what a lot of people would say is absolute direct to consumer so i have the I have the customer's information versus going through amazon like how do i how do I balance this when I'm right like where do I want them to buy? How do I, how do I think about this in Omnichannel? Um, you know, from your perspective, what is your recommendation? What would you, today, right? You may have a different answer three years ago, but in today's world, how do I think about my primary product storefront and my Amazon storefront,
1: either conflicts or synergy? Great question. And one that we receive pretty, pretty frequently. So, you know, you, the, the your two online storefronts, your two main online storefronts, you just mentioned, it's your website and it's Amazon. And different brands want to emphasize those channels differently. Your conversion rate's going to be higher on Amazon, um, typically than it you know would be just by anywhere else online and your margin's going to be higher on your website um, and there's a lot of important data that you get on your website that you don't on amazon so here's here's some of the sort of uh, macro data points to consider as you sort of construct you know how you want to have your offers be on Amazon versus on your website and why you don't necessarily want those to be the exact same in terms of uh, sizing and pricing. So um, I think almost um, uh, mid 60s or maybe even up to seven, over 70%, uh, the exact numbers escaping me, of American customers prefer buying on a marketplace like Amazon Over a retailer site or a brand site. That means that if you want to drive traffic to your site, which a lot of brands want to do, and we help with these, you know, those funnels as well, it just means that you really need to incentivize the customer to do so. If you're priced the exact same way for the exact same pack on Amazon or especially cheaper than you are on your website, you're going to lose people. Um, And one of the things that we encourage brands to do. You know, if if you look at what American customers want, they want, they want free shipping and they want fast shipping. They want loyalty programs. They want to be able to buy in a couple of clicks. And the reason, one of the big reasons that Amazon has the position that it has is because it leads in all of these things. So you can let Amazon do a little bit of the research for you. If you can do what Amazon does effectively on your website and then some, and like really incentivize your customers, whether it's through discounts or some other kind of loyalty program, um, obviously, you're capturing emails, so you can follow up there. You can build a community on your website through your website, which is not something that is easily done on Amazon at all. Then you can um, then you can incentivize as much as you can to have people buy on your website versus a marketplace. Now, a lot, you know, like I just said, a majority of U.S. customers want to buy in a marketplace already. So you're always going to lose 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 isn't even the right word, but you're always going to uh, have people going from your website to a marketplace, probably Amazon to get your product. That's just, that's just a reality right now. So these two channels can be, you know, complementary in a way. Again, like a lot of customers like me will, uh, will even double check on Amazon before buying from a brand site because I want them to get more margin or because, you know, there's uh, I might have just another, I might have another reason, but I'm still going to double check over there. Um, you know, like sixty-three percent of American customers when buying online are double-checking Amazon for reviews and pricing. I really can't emphasize that enough. So you can you can set these up in a way that customers are incentivized as much as possible to go where you want them to go. It just has to be very clearly stated. So, there, so
0: there's three. There, there's uh, when you think about the the dot com, and you think about the Amazon storefront. I've got a question before, and I'd love to hear your answer. And the question is, so you can think about it just for a second: is you know, should I encourage, or how should I think about connecting people to Amazon from my .com? If sixty three percent prefer the marketplace, is there a scenario? Well, one, would you ever recommend that, or is it your best practice? Like how, like, should I make it easier for someone to just go buy it on Amazon, or, or how do how do I like how how do I how do I think about? that? this? Like in it, like I know if I, if I know they want to, should I allow them to, or should I make it hard? I know it's individual to a brand, but, but how would you tackle that question? If, if somebody was sitting in the middle and they didn't know, should I make it easier for someone just to go buy on Amazon or should I try to lock them into the website? Like, do you you have an overarching strategy as to how you would approach that?
1: So that's, that's a great question. And it's often not there's a lot of nuance within that. So when we manage brands that want to be only on Amazon, we actually really encourage them to, to have their website as well. And to, you know, really think about having a funnel set up to their website at, you know, in addition to Amazon, like if we're getting more sales on Amazon through the halo effect of your other marketing activities, then great. You know, we're going to try to measure that as best as we can. Like there's some, um, you know, nifty sort of solutions that uh, we see people trying, like driving those ads to a, uh, a landing page that then gives the customer an option to either buy on the website oh, right. mm-hmm. or to go to Amazon. And this is mostly for attribution. So you just know where mm-hmm. people are going and wow. sure, you're going to lose some people in with that extra click. Um, but, you know, ideally the the trade-off is that you can, you still get their email and you get to retarget and potentially even get, you know, you can, you can get the email then of people who are buying who are going to Amazon to buy because they're giving it to you to reclaim a discount or some other kind of lead, um, lead magnet. Um, so we see people trying things like that, but at the end of the day, like you need to know your customer and Amazon's going to be between you and your customer in lots of important ways. So even if you have a smaller bucket of customers coming to your website, just the fact that you have that community to reach out to and test offers with and make first offers to, and make them feel special and just get to and just really know them thoroughly that That is worth having. Um, I I struggle to think of a time when I have ever recommended a brand being like, hey, they want to go to Amazon, so just send them all to Amazon anyways. Um, the e-commerce landscape is constantly shifting, and we don't want you to be dependent on one channel entirely. Got like it. you do want to have a mix. Okay. So, so uh,
0: there's value in having, even if it's smaller, uh, the community, the you know, the, the, the customers on file.
1: Um, oh yes. Lately
0: uh, let's people that are going to go to Amazon go, but, but, you know, it sounds like that best practice would be to, to, to the extent that you can keep them, keep them in your brand.
1: Um, yeah. You know? That uh, you know, really being able to, to, to retarget in, in meaningful ways is, is really powerful. So even if you have a smaller bucket um That alone would be worth it. But, you know, the other piece of it is, you know, there's a lot of Amazon tells us a lot of things. And, you know, we as an agency specialize in getting a lot of data points that are really tough to get on the platform. There's things that Amazon doesn't tell us that are important about your your customer. And in the name of good omni-channel strategy, we want to know those things. Like if it comes to, you know, Amazon has what I like to call, and you as I'd love to hear, you know, jam with you on, on this at some point, but Amazon has what I like to call conversion SEO. It's the number one search engine for people to research and buy products. So, and we can we can see what keywords are resulting in the most sales for you and your competitors. So that's not useful just on Amazon. That's useful across channels and to incorporate into copy in in different ways. And it'll overlap pretty strongly with your Google SEO, in my experience. Um, Chuck, I'll, you know, maybe I should, I'll, I'll leave, <laughs> leave that room to you since you know about, more about it than me. But we've, we've, we have found value in, in using that as a data point to consider for other marketing materials, similar to te- like, there's nothing like social media for testing uh, images and video. If you have certain lifestyle images that have just completely, that have just blown it out of the water on your social media accounts. Like we want to consider that to like maybe reshop it for, you know, a marketplace like Amazon. But if we can, we want to use it. You know, how do we use these different learnings to help the whole? That's, that's good on the channel for us.
0: That's great. I I love that social media tip that you just gave there about, uh, yeah, if a lifestyle photo or even, even a product photo has done, our video has done really well on social. Maybe you do bring that to website, to Amazon because people, they liked it. They engaged with it. And that that's what you're that's what you're trying to get. So. All right. So, yes, Amazon SEO. And then you talked a little bit about Google SEO, but walk us through real quick. What Okay, what is Amazon SEO and, mm-hmm. and what, what 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 are the levers over there that you that you can pull, you know, to to show up more, convert more, sell more?
1: So, Amazon SEO, broadly speaking, is anything that helps your product listing get a conversion. So, we can talk about titles and bullets and A plus content and your image carousel. But I think maybe most interesting for um, a conversation with a Google SEO and and just talking about the the similarities, the differences, is talking about is 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 really keyword research, right? And one of the because Amazon is a conversion based platform and because of a couple other things like we can, uh, any, any savvy Amazon marketer is going to be able to sort of sift through, um, the data and, uh, effectively I'll try to sum this up. If you take a group of very carefully chosen competitors and you take their products and you look up all the keywords that those competitor products rank for, which is, uh, easy to do. And then if you run, you know, the right kind of exercise and put the right filters on it, you can see what they all rank for in common and so what what this spits out is not only like um you know if you're selling laundry detergent and you examine the top competitors for the term laundry detergent and it spits out that term that's not a surprise but if you're doing the exercise right, you'll also get a lot of long tail keywords,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know that have that might have less traffic, but are getting conversions. They're getting sales. Oh, like They're getting that. your competitor sales. So you get short tail and long tail, and that's what we really like to emphasize in copy above. Like a lot of things, like when we need your differentiators there. There's a lot of things that goes into good e commerce copy. Don't get me wrong, but that um, that's really core to um, good Amazon SEO research. People tend to buy what they search for and they want to see that reflected in your copy. Um, And so prioritizing that based on what's getting search volume, what's not, what very specifically describes your product, um, that's all really, really helpful data. And that's just, that's before launch, right? Um, You know, once you've already launched, then you can start digging into what advertising terms are really working for you. Uh, there's now a search, uh, it's called the search query performance report on Amazon. You can see the percentage um, of the market that you have for certain keywords on Amazon. And so if you are cleaning up in the mushroom coffee space and your product has a lot of different unique selling propositions, but that's what's really working for you here, then we would encourage you to you know, consider that data point, maybe emphasize that more in your marketing and other channels too.
0: You know, it's a great point. You know, and as you uh, you know, as you talk about Amazon SEO and then the the keywords having the conversion data, you know, as a as a Google SEO, I often find there's too much reliance on search volume. Well, that that keyword doesn't have any volume, and I'm like, well, one, it's long tail, so this is just a variation. But even if I start to think about phrase and. You know, to use at Google Ad terms, you know, broad match. Uh, you know, sometimes I still have a hard time building a case for a keyword cluster, if you will, or a top, you know, a theme inside of a, you know, a mushroom coffee. There's not a lot of conviction because there's not 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 a lot of volume. But what you're saying in Amazon that exists, and I'm sure there's volume metrics, but you can work. You, can, you since it's a it's a conversion platform, you're saying you can really hone in on the keywords that have. More of an inclination or a tendency to convert, and then maybe bring that back over and say, "Hey, this is this is why we should have an SEO program for these keywords. This is why we should have them in a Google Ads group. Um, it's why we might want to do some content on social. Like you can use that data because you know, okay, this is what people that buy search for."
1: Yes, and here's here's where I'd be really. Uh, I'd love to sort of pose this more or less as a question. Um, the way that we the way that we think about Amazon versus Google when it comes to um, just the function that these platforms at large serve, like Amazon's here to answer, like what product do people buy when they search for X, right? That's, that's, you know, uh, you could, you can throw a lot more in there, but at the end of the day, that's, that's a, you know, a core function it's serving Google to us is there to answer a question. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So if somebody is looking up the difference between, keto and paleo diets, they're going to Google. Right. Right. Obviously. Um, or maybe chat GPT at this point, but that's another conversation. Right. Um, but when they want to see like what the most popular keto cookies are in terms of reviews and, you know, um, pricing, like that's when they go to Amazon. So it's a lot of, you know, we, we think of good omni-channel strategies, just making sure that we're aware of what different Points in the consumer journey; these different platforms you know occupy. But uh, Chuck, I'm curious as to what your thoughts, and if if you see things the same way.
0: I mean, yes, I do. Um, It's interesting to think about what people do on different platforms and how that changes not only how you would approach the platform, but uh, like how it all works together. For example, you know, you mentioned early on kind of the the customer journey. So if they if they do that search, uh, that that maybe on Google is around diet or health or benefits of you know of, of certain foods in this case, um, that's a Google search, and then they come to the website and they 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 maybe it's the first time they heard of your brand, and then what you're saying is a lot of times two thirds of the people in America prefer Marketplace. They're going to jump over to Amazon and check out your check out your product, um, and maybe even go up to the box and say. You know, to use your example, uh, mushroom coffee, and just see who's there. So, if you came up with a with a blog post, let's say about the, you know, the the benefits of mushroom coffee, less caffeine, whatever whatever it might be, landed and, uh, um, you know, they landed on your website and they leaked over to Amazon. I'd call it a leak because I, I I agree with you. I kind of like having them on the .dot com. And uh, then they do the mushroom coffee search, and you show up there again. It's like wow, now they have. They did a they did a question and answer and found you, and then they did a search of you know product category and found you. I mean, I, I'm ready to try it, you know. And mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and yeah, I'll probably stay on Amazon, but I, I found you over either on a Google search or maybe you know maybe you posted you know the blog post on on Facebook. So I I, I think you have to combine both of them together, right? Yeah. And and map them, you know, in a like in when I think about SEO versus ads on Google. There's a strategy and I I won't get into that at the moment, but you know, you, you know, the two can work together uh, to supplement each other and how you think about filling gaps. But now we're even saying, okay, in the journey, you can really think about how does someone learn about your brand, brand awareness, and whether they stay on your site or jump over to Amazon, how do you, how do you then have proof that you are a category leader, Uh, which one would be searched. Now, more importantly, though, might be the reviews. Mm-hmm. Um so I want to transition this now in the in, in the journey. Uh they found us on Meta uh Meta our Google and they bounced over to Amazon, did a category search, found you again, man. They're ready to buy. They're gonna pop into the reviews. I don't know what percentage of the time you could go to that, but but uh how might the question I really have though is how might I leverage product reviews? in my strategy, right? Like, like we know they're important. So yes, you want good reviews and a couple bad, just so it looks legit, but, um, or I think you should, I, I don't like somebody with a 5.0, um, you know, or a 4.0, I always want to, I want to see the negatives, but, uh, um, how might I use reviews, All right? Let's say I'm getting reviews. How, how might those feed back into the, into the strategy?
1: I mean, well, you're welcome. You're always welcome to take, you know, screenshots of really positive reviews and, and put them elsewhere. But uh, like the the big battle on Amazon is simply getting them. Uh, Amazon has shut down a lot of the, you know, back channels that we had for getting incentivized reviews, for instance. And it's, it's been a long time at this point that it's been very against TOS, and you know, uh, it's it's been like a cat and mouse game with sellers and marketers um you know trying to stay a step ahead of amazon and being like well what's technically not against tos that we can get just a whole group of people to leave reviews and how do we compensate them without amazon seeing or you know amazon allows you to you can request a review you just can't say leave us a positive review or like you'll get reimbursed in the back end for this review um and the number of reviews that brands uh, that customers like to see is only like growing um in terms of, in terms of the average. So how do you get them out the gate? Um, So there's, I mean, we could, we could do another, you know, 15 minutes on, on review strategy, but in terms of like omni-channel as a whole, um, Chuck, I think you hit the nail on the head of, you know, having like multiple touch points, right? Like they want to, as long as you've executed a review strategy on Amazon well, or you've just built up over time, a good bank of them. And, you know, if they see you Um, they discover you on one of these other platforms and it's all just kind of like confirmed, then yes, they're, they're more likely to buy, especially, especially if you have a more technical product or there's more customer education that's needed for them to even know what you are. Like if I'm buying headphones, you know, especially like a higher priced item um, I might go to Google and look up some listicles. I might see what like CNET has had or whatever has had to say about, you know, here are our top 10 for 2023. And then, you know, there's going to be more long form there than is even allowed on an Amazon listing. And then if I go to Amazon and the unique selling props are hitting me as a customer, what I'm looking for, and there's really positive reviews that I check out the positive and negative of, like uh, the the higher the price, the more technical and the more consumer customer education, the more likely they're doing, your customers are doing these things. Right. Um, and so if you have, if you give them the opportunity to actually read all of these, you know, um, good things, um, about you, then you're going to be way more likely to convert. And if you've only got like one piece of that, then that, that will reflect in your sales.
0: Yeah. Real quick. Uh, to agree with all of that, Luke and, uh, yeah, getting, getting reviews and, uh, that, 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 that's the number one piece, but. But, uh, you know, I did, I did see uh, an interesting uh, tactic and then we'll, we'll, we'll start to wrap up, uh, where, uh, someone downloaded all the reviews, threw them to chat GBT and started getting positive, negative sediment. Like in food, taste is a big deal in a, like in, uh, in a, in a high quality product, maybe it's performance. Um, mm-hmm. you can start to pick up some subtleties, um. Uh, uh, particularly if you have hundreds and hundreds, it's harder if you only have a few, but I, I thought it was interesting to use the review language in in mass to pick up on some things that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe people don't, maybe the packaging's too hard to open. Who knows? You know, the things that people often complain about in reviews is mind boggling. Sometimes like, you know, it's like whenever I get that, uh, that notice in the box, like if you're missing a screw, please call us, not Amazon, you know, for <laughs> when you got to put it together furniture. And that's the reason why just a little simple miss can sometimes lead to a really bad review. Um, and you, you just gotta, you gotta watch these things. If you consistently are missing a screw, well, you gotta, you gotta get, you gotta back up into the the processes and figure out why that's happening.
1: Yeah. So first of all, that, that's, that's, that's great. And, um, the, the two things that I would add are one, yes, if you are consistently getting certain complaints, then you want to, you want to change your marketing copy to make sure that you're reaching the right people or that they're at least like, if there's an issue that they're like, oh, that they're aware of it, that's, that's going to be your biggest opportunity to mitigate negative reviews. But Chuck, what you mentioned in terms of like crunching reviews to find, especially competitor reviews to find, uh, you know, either gaps in the market or, you know, really just, you know, hone down like what customers in your niche are looking for, what are, What are their praises and what are their complaints Mm -hmm. among your competitors? This is something that we do all the time. And Amazon is actually an underutilized, uh, in our opinion, customer insights resource. So there are tools where you can go and download your competitors reviews and mass, you know, especially if you're, if you have competitors that have, you know, thousands and thousands of them, it doesn't have to be that high, but you can, uh, this, we have a marketplace analysis offer that we'll execute on fairly regularly and as a service. And, you know, this is one of the things that we pull, you know, what, um, you know, how are you positioned against your competitors? Does it line up with what people are asking for and what people are saying? Um, and Amazon is a, you know, because they are as tightly controlled as they are, they can be a really great resource for drilling down into that.
0: All right. So, um, in wrap up, I've got one question for you, Luke. Because this is all this is all great. It's great information, um, but uh, if I if I were a brand going into next year, or I, I I just want to do a better job on Amazon, what would be first, second, third? Like what? I know you got I know you got to talk generically. You don't know the brand specific pain points, but what what would I do? One two three. What, what are the what are the what are the most important things that I should do as a brand manager or as someone that runs the Amazon Marketplace? You know, for a particular for a particular product.
1: The first thing that, um, and this is returning to one of the points we talked about at the top here. Know your numbers because your numbers will define your opportunity. It's not a good approach to say, "Well, my friend is doing hundred thousand dollars a month on Amazon," so. I should be doing a hundred thousand dollars a month. What it takes to push to a hundred thousand dollars a month. If you can even get there in your particular niche with your market, um, you know, your product market fit, you know, that's, you know, if you can get there, that's question. And then another big question is like, well, do you even have the margin to allow you to, to spend as much early on to, to really build, to get there? Um, you're, your numbers define your opportunity Um, and you want to work with a marketer that can help you like identify like an efficiency metric that will work for you. Like if you're, if you're just aiming for like top line at like all expense, like, you know, growth is expensive. Like, you know, as long as it's defined, that's great. But, you know, especially in a year like this year where brands, you know, where a lot of funding is dried up and brands have needed to make sure the ship is sustainable like that, that strategy is not something that, you know, we have encountered a lot as of recent. Um, so your numbers define your opportunity, especially if you are trying to, uh, you know, run a sustainable business where the channel is doing more than, you know, paying for itself. Um, second thing uh, and, you know, as e-commerce. And then this is what fuels, I think a lot of the omni-channel conversation in general and, you know, really affects everything like e there's opportunity, you know, to be had across e-commerce. It's more competitive than ever, and that just means you have to get more sophisticated, and a little. You have to take a deeper dive into data. And when it comes to Amazon specifically, what that often means for us is, you know, digging into things like, and to you know more or less openly plug some of the data dives that that we do. Uh, you know, Amazon doesn't give you a reliable repeat customer rate but we have a software partner, um, MixShift, they're wonderful, we recommend them. Um, you know, com- uh, Combined with what they help us pull from Amazon via an API, like we can build a lot of numbers from scratch and we can get your actual repeat customer rate. We can get your repeat purchase cycle. We can get your LTV. Amazon does not give you that. And if you're in an industry that really depends on your repeat customer rate,
0: mm-hmm.
1: this is gonna be a really important thing for you to have down. Um, We have seen brand strategies um, completely change digitally once they actually get this accurate data um, and, you know, compare it to their website, compare it to what they're doing in retail um, and just, you know, priorities, priority shift as they see where they can really build an audience. And this is also great data if you're trying to use your digital data to expand more into retail. These are also great data points to have as well. Like it can be hard to get a proper repeat for retail. And if you show up to, you know, just Walmart as an example, so talking about with somebody yesterday with a 50% repeat customer rate online, um, and you can show that you have a lot of buyers in that zip code and, and those zip codes where you're, you're pitching them like that, you know, they're not dumb. Like they know that that's a really strong signal. Um, so there's, there's just a lot you can do. You just need to make sure that the numbers actually point to profitability and if you need to dig farther into the numbers to get insight into that then that's that's normal at a time like this okay. um but you know fortune favors the the bold but you know what me- what gets measured gets managed and if you're not measuring some of the basics here in terms of where you're going to be profitable and you know have you know well-defined goals and things like this then it's going to be a bumpy ride
0: you're exactly right and i think that could almost be true for any channel or marketplace in today's, I mean, everything's getting more complicated, uh, more competitive, even more complex. I mean, it, 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 it it rarely gets easier (laughs) in, in, uh, in marketing, branding, advertising. Um, it seems to always, you know, find its way towards the, uh, to the more complicated. So, uh, all right. Well, Luke, um, thank you for your time. Thank you for your expertise on, uh, all things Amazon. Uh, like you said, there are a couple topics in there that we could go on forever um, or another hour uh, for sure. But uh,
1: thank you. Thank you, Chuck.